prepare ourselves this morning in our usual fashion. We'll have a few moments of silent prayer, opportunity to name privately to God any unconfessed sins which ensures the filling of the Holy Spirit. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for your word, and we're also thankful that it changes not and you change not. We can always depend upon your faithfulness, your power, your grace. We thank you for teaching us through your word what we need to do in order to have capacity for happiness, which seems so elusive these days. So we pray that as we study this issue, that you will open our minds to it so that we can face the exigencies of life in this devil's world with contentment, tranquility, and peace. For we pray it in Christ's name. Amen. Here's the first thing to remember. Happiness is related to God. Is it over here? Okay. Happiness is related to God. That's simple enough, but people can very easily forget it and start looking for happiness in all the wrong places. One way of putting it is your happiness is dependent upon your relationship with God. If your relationship with God is faltering, then you can be assured that you're not going to be happy. No one finds happiness by seeking happiness. Isn't that strange to some people? In fact, some people think that the highest aspiration in life is to find happiness. After all, the Constitution supposedly gives us the right to seek happiness. <clears throat> but I am here to tell you, if you're making that your goal in life, seeking happiness, you'll never find it. And here's why. Because happiness is found by seeking God, not happiness. When you seek God, you're going to have happiness. It kind of comes along for the ride. But your happiness depends upon your relationship with God. And you don't find happiness by seeking happiness. True happiness is an enduring mindset. Now, you might underscore the idea there of enduring. Enduring means that it's not fun. You know, you can have fun for a little while, but fun doesn't last. The happiness that we're talking about is the tenth floor of the penthouse of the divine domain. It's talking about sharing the happiness of God, and it's not the same kind of happiness that most people think of, especially young people. They think they're going to get that particular toy that's going to make them happy. I can remember when I was a, a, a young boy, I used to put models together. Mostly they were models uh, ships, warships. And I had destroyers and I had battleships, but I thought, if I could only get that aircraft carrier, wow. It had about a zillion parts in it. And when they have it in the uh, toy store, they just don't show the boat. 
they show it in battle. And, and they said that the, all the guns are firing, the planes are coming in, and it, it's just really exciting. So I thought, boy, if I could get that, this is really going to make me happy. And so after so long a time, <clears throat> my parents bought me this flat top. And I opened it up, and I couldn't wait to get started until I saw how many pieces there were. <laughs> now, I don't, I'm not very fond of following directions on that type of thing. And uh, they look pretty boring, so I just started getting pieces and put them where I thought they would fit. The ones that uh, didn't look like they were all that interesting, I just left out. It wasn't long before frustration set in, and the kind of glue that you use, I guess they don't even sell that anymore because you don't even have to try to sniff it. It was so strong it filled the whole room. But when you put it together, it's stuck. It doesn't come loose. And after I found out that I had one complete floor on the wrong place and another floor was wrong on top of it, I wasn't so happy anymore. So this is a happiness that endures. It's the happiness that God has. And it's a mindset of contentment, confidence, and courage. This is the things that people want in life. They want to be content. They want confidence and courage. Confidence and courage, of course, go together. Because it does not depend on people, circumstances, or things. And we spent some time looking at these different aspects of uh, endeavors that people get into in order to be happy. And they always run into a dead end, it seems. Because there's no happiness, there's not the kind of happiness that we're talking about there. Uh, there. problem with having glasses is when you don't have them on, they're hard to find. Of course, I say that. I could have x-ray vision and still not be able to find things. Okay, we're on the tenth floor of the divine domain. And we're coming to a, a conclusion here. And I'm going to have a few notes up here on the board. We're going to start, I believe, right here. We are commanded to be happy. Now, this is where I ended last week, that we are commanded to be happy. And I don't know if you can remember seven days ago. Seven days ago, I was teaching all these wonderful things about happiness what we have to do in order to be happy, to maintain happiness. And then I got to the part where we're commanded to be happy. And so many people are out there go, Oh, happy. And if you remember, I got a little animated. I said, y'all need to perk up. I'm not going to stand here and teach happiness to a bunch of hound dogs. And after I said my little piece, people seemed to perk up a bit. So I hope that you will indulge me this morning and at least have a little animation in your face because we're talking about a subject that is it, it's so wonderful and it's such a great benefit. Everybody wants to be happy, but not many people want to learn how. They just want to go out and do their own thing. So here are a few of the commands. The first one is Psalm 97, verse 12. It says, be glad in the Lord, you righteous ones, and give thanks to His holy name. Now, every one of these that you're going to see here, let's see if I can use my 
This is going to work today. Yeah, there it is. Oh, nope. There you go. Be glad. Every one of these are in the imperative mood. This means God is commanding us to be glad, to be happy. Most of the time in the Old Testament, this is asherah, which means to means happiness. And God never commands us to do something without giving us the ability to achieve it. So here we have, be glad in the Lord, you righteous ones, and give thanks to His holy name. Then we have Romans 12, 12. Here we have, be joyful. Be joyful in hope and persevere in hardship and keep praying. Actually, there's three imperatives in there. You got that? There's a lot of... This is a very short verse, but there's a lot in it. First of all, be joyful. Did you notice that it has in hope? In hope means in confidence. If you don't have confidence... Let's, let's take, for instance, if you're not confident that you're going to heaven then you're not going to be very joyful because whatever else happens in, during this lifetime, whenever it's over, if you don't have the doctrine of eternal security secured in your soul, then your happiness is going to be limited because hanging over your head is that dread that whenever you die, uh, you're not sure what happens, but you may wind up in the lake of fire. And uh, that's a bummer, to say the least. So you have... Be joyful. And then in hope. Hope there, help us, means confidence. You have confidence that God's Word is true. And you've already learned that when you believe in Jesus Christ, that you have His own uh, eternal life. You have eternal life and righteousness imputed to you, God's own righteousness. You can't lose those things. And so your ticket to heaven is guaranteed. So now you can be joyful. You don't have that looming over your head. Persevere in hardship. Notice it does not say dodge hardship. It says persevere. Now, some people will get their back out of joint trying to dodge any adversity, and they'll even compromise to the nth degree in order to take the path of least resistance. But this verse just says persevere. The way you persevere is knowing doctrine and applying it to the circumstance. And keep praying regularly. So be joyful, persevere, and keep praying. Three things that are integral to the first one, which is... Well, I've got to get this off or it's not going to let me go down. Then we have 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. Rejoice always. Think about that. <laughs> Do you rejoice always? <clears throat> When was the last time you set your garbage can out <clears throat> and you went out there and the dogs had gotten to it, knocked the lid off and garbage all over your yard, your neighbor's yard? Did you rejoice about that? When was the last time that it was raining and you got stuck out on the freeway somewhere, had a flat tire or whatever? Did you rejoice about that? Well, I could go on and on. You get the point. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. You see how with the the happiness aspect, you see the pray, prayer so often. If you want to know how close you are to the Lord, check your prayer life. And if you are really slipping in the prayer area, then so is your relationship with God. <clears throat> Rejoice always, pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks. 
That kind of goes along with rejoice always, doesn't it? And I'm here to tell you there's no way that you can obey these commands apart from knowing some Bible doctrine. You have to understand about suffering, why you suffer, why it doesn't have anything to do with bad luck. Did I get into the luck last Sunday or what? Y'all remember that? You're lucky I'm not going to go into it anymore. <laughs> uh, and everything gives thanks for this is the will of God in Jesus Christ. This is the will for you. See, you, you have... And everything gives thanks, that means even in adversity, for this is the God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So when adversity hits, it's not that you have bad... This is God's will for you. And rather than complain and throw a fit, God wants you to use the doctrine that you know, recognize that He is purifying you, He is testing your mettle, and someday He's going to reward you if you persevere, if you apply the doctrines that you've learned. Philippians 3.1 Finally, my brethren, keep on rejoicing in the Lord. Always in the Lord. Philippians 4.4 4, Keep on rejoicing. And this is a verb. I just show it here. This is a present active imperative. And they did translate it right. Keep on rejoicing in the Lord. You see how many times it says in the Lord, in the Lord, rejoice. In the Lord. Keep on rejoicing in the Lord. Always. Again, I say, keep on rejoicing. He's trying to give you the point. All the doldrums and days that you get down and feel blue. I don't know where that came from. Why don't you feel black or feel orange or whatever it is? But they pick blue, but you know what I'm talking about. First Chronicles 16, 9 and 10. Sing to him. Sing praises to him. Speak of His wonders. Glory in His holy name. Let the heart of those who seek the Lord be glad. Now this one is... <clears throat> Let the heart of those who seek the Lord be glad. Psalm 32, 11. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, you righteous ones, and shout for joy, all you who are upright in heart. Shout for joy. And we don't necessarily want you shouting for joy right now because it's time to learn and listen. But you know what? You can shout for joy and not, never open your mouth. Did you know that? Some of you know what I'm talking about. The Word reaches in and it, and it straightens things out in your soul. And you start connecting the dots. And you start seeing things. Now, I've been behind this pulpit for a long time, and sometimes I can see it happen. I can see people who are sitting there, and they're just, you know, concentrating, just working. All of a sudden, they just, they're kind of going like this. Their eyes widen, they stiffen up, and they, ah. Of course, that can be a two-edged sword. They can be shocked and angered, or they might finally get it. I never know for sure. Psalm 100, verse 1 and 2. Shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before Him with joyful singing. Now, we were doing singing today. Was it joyful? Great hymns that we sing here. The lyrics are very doctrinal. It should lift your spirits. It says, Serve Him with gladness. 
There's nobody on any committee in this church that was ever pressured to get on that committee. We only want people who volunteer to do things with that glad heart that they are not only willing but eager to do it. And then it says, Come before Him with joyful singing and with gladness. Now, you're here. I see that. But I don't know what inside your soul. But I do know this. If you came because someone pressured you, or you came just because, well, it's Sunday, i got to go to church. That was my attitude one time. When I was growing up, especially when I was a teenager, I thought, Sunday, got to go to church. I wasn't learning anything anyway. And I would sit. I finally found out, though, a place I could sit. I'd put a book on my... I shouldn't give this away, but I'm going to say it anyway. I'd put a book on my lap. And as soon as the singing was over, you know, I'm gone. And I thought, well, I thought I was smart. I thought, well, people think I'm reading. Yeah, my head is nodding like this. And, and I always knew when it was time to be over because people would start shuffling. You know how they, they, they start making movements and they grab their books and get their car keys. You know, somebody sitting next to me is getting their car keys there, ready for the door, ready to hit that parking lot. Of course, this is the, was the most serious time they were given the gospel, but what was really important is, am I going to get in my car and get out before others so I can get down there and start feeding my face? But that's what woke me up anyhow. Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. Keep on rejoicing. Another present active indicative. In the Lord always. Again, I say, keep on rejoicing. Oh, I already did those, didn't I? Okay. Well, I guess you needed that one twice. Do you really believe God can make you happy? Turn to Ephesians chapter 3. Do you really believe that God can make you happy? See, there's some people that don't think anybody can make them happy. And they're right. There's some people that are so fixated on self and going in the wrong direction, they'll never be happy. Verse 20, Ephesians 3.20. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, beyond. I want you to underline all three of those. Exceedingly, abundantly, beyond. Now I think, I think Paul is trying to tell us something here. When you string those three kind of words together... It's, it's making a, a very important point. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all that we can ask. Think of that. God is able to do more than you can ask. And for some of you, that's quite a bit. You all have children, right? Or, Well, no, you all don't, but a lot of you do. Are children bashful about asking you for things? Huh? <laughs> Have you been able to give them all that they were able to ask you for the entire time? 
I doubt it, but God is able to give us all that we can come up with. He can give us exceedingly, abundantly beyond that. But not, all, not only what we ask, but even think. That gets into another dimension. I have to admit, I was pretty audacious as a, as a young boy, but there were certain things I wouldn't even ask my dad. I, mean, I knew it was no use, but here we have that our Heavenly Father can do exceedingly abundantly beyond all that we can ask or think according to the power that works within us. The power that works within us. This is the Holy Spirit teaching us doctrine. Helping us to apply doctrine. That's the power that works within us. It doesn't have anything to do with you. It has to do with a system that He's set up. You learn it and apply it, and He can do abundantly beyond all you can ask or think. I can't help but keep going back to, I guess this was about 20 years ago, close to it. I sat down and I had decided that I was going to build a church here. And I got a piece of paper. Just you know, when you start with a blank piece of paper like this. And I said, okay, how, how large does this church have to be? And what is it going to look like? And I just started drawing out and sketching out this church. And then we developed it a little more. And it turned out to be just this main section of this church. And so we started building it. And when we completed it, it was exceedingly abundantly beyond all that I could even think. I had no idea it was going to turn out the way it did. And the same can be said for the first wing that we added, the second wing that we added, and the part in between the hallway, the restrooms, all of it. I couldn't picture it, but God knew what I wanted, and it turned out wonderful. Now, some people might say, well, you're just a really hayseed to think that this is all that nice. I think it is nice. I'm proud of it. I'm more proud of it, the fact that it's the guys and the, the women helped too, to build it. We did it because of the Lord. And it, when you look back on things like that in your life, it gives you confidence and courage, anticipation. If he can do that now in the devil's world with, with our mortal bodies, our bodies of flesh, in our old sin nature, if he can do all these types of things now, think what he can do in the next world, in the next realm. That's going to blow your mind. This verse says that God is able to make us happy beyond our wildest dreams, but... Let's see if I can get this up again. Yeah, here it is right here. Uh-oh, I lost it. Uh-oh. I can't even find my... There it is. Y'all just bear with me. I'm trying to use this. There it is. There. And now you can't even see it. <laughs> How did it turn blue? Was it blue a while ago? Okay. Well, got a little practice here. Um, but, there's always a but, see? But whether that potential becomes a reality or not depends on us. So God has a system. He's revealed it in His Word. And He can do exceedingly abundantly beyond all you can ask or think. But you have to learn it and you have to apply it. That's the but.
Psalm 119.2 Blessed are they who keep His statutes and seek Him with all their heart. I'm trying, trying to trying something else. See, I can get fancy, but blessed means happy are they who? You see the who here? Well, I'll have to just practice. I'm not going to do it right now, but just notice. <laughs> if I have my red highlighter, I used to know how to do that. I think. Um, I'll tell you what, let's do this. Turn to Psalm 119. We're going to rattle some pages because uh, you need to underline these because you won't remember this later, but if you underline it, you might remember this point. I've just said that God has given us the system, everything to make us happy beyond our wildest dreams, but it's only potential. And the reason is because it just doesn't happen automatically. God doesn't think you're so special that He's just going to take his little magic wand and boop, you're going to be happy. That's not how it happens. He's given us the system and expects us to learn it and use it. So in Psalm 119.2, we're going to do this on every one of these verses. And I'm going to go through it fairly fast, so get with it. Who keeps his statutes and seek him? See, there you have the condition there. Happy is he who does something. What is it in this verse? He who keeps his statutes and seek him with all their heart. Seeking him would be learning doctrine. Keeping his statutes would be applying doctrine. Okay, now don't linger there. Let's go to Psalm 84. I don't know. I might regret this. Y'all are some... It takes a while to turn these pages and I'm very I'm impatient. I, I want to get down the road, so I... Uh. Okay, Psalm 84, 12. O Lord of hosts, that would be Lord of the armies, how blessed that would be happy is the man, what? Who keeps on trusting thee. You see the condition there? What he's saying is, how happy is this person, but is the condition who does something here? It is who keeps trusting in thee. The better you know the Lord, the more you're going to trust Him. If you don't know Him, you're not going to trust Him. Okay, let's go to Psalm 128, 1. <clears throat> How happy is everyone, everyone who fears, and that means to respect the Lord. So we have two things here. First, we have fearing the Lord, respecting the Lord. If you don't have respect for someone that has authority over you, you might say, ha, ha, ha. The mouse will play when the cat's away and all that kind of thing, but you're not going to be happy. And you, then you have the second one. How blessed, how happy is everyone who respects the Lord, who keeps on walking in his way. There you have another condition there. Who keeps on walking in his way? We know that in the Greek that's peripateo, and that means your way of life is lined up with Bible doctrine. Psalm 
Praise the Lord. How blessed, that means how happy is the man, here we have it again, who fears the Lord, that would be who respects the Lord, who greatly delights in his commandments. And the commandments there is referring to the doctrine, the Bible doctrine. Notice it doesn't say who delights in commandments. It says greatly delight in his commandments. Do you greatly delight in learning God's Word? Do you look forward to coming to Bible class and to church so that you can even learn more, you can connect more dots so you can have more capacity to appreciate God, have more capacity for love, more capacity for life, more capacity for happiness? Do you look forward to that? Well, according to this, happy is the one who does this, who greatly delights in His commandments. Turn to Psalm 1611. <clears throat> this one doesn't have a who in it, but I thought it was worth keeping in here anyway. Because <clears throat> you have, Thou will make known to me the path of life. You want to be guided? You want to know which, which, way to, which route to take, where to go? There you have it, right there. Thou will make known to me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. Fullness of joy. In thy right hand are pleasures forever. A lot of people think of God as a big old stick in the mud. He doesn't want me to He doesn't want me to do everything that'll make me happy. I want to get drunk and fornicate. I want to lie and steal and cheat, do whatever I can to get ahead. God isn't for those things, so they don't realize that this is the verse they need to be reading. Joy, fullness of joy, pleasures forever. Now, <clears throat> I'm not going to have you turn any more verses just for the sake of time. Contentment and happiness. What does it take in order to make you to be contented, to make you, uh, for you to be contented? What does it take? Why don't we just get a bunch of sheets of paper and hand out to you and you make a list? Some of you are going to need a lot of paper because it takes a lot for you to be contented. Maybe, I don't know. Normally that's the case. What does God's Word say? 1 Timothy 6, 6 through 9. But godliness actually is a great means of gain when accompanied by what? Contentment. For we have brought nothing into the world so we can take nothing out of it either. But if we have food and clothing, food and clothing is all we need right there. <clears throat> if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. But those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a snare and many foolish and harmful desires which plunge men into ruin and destruction. 
By the way, for you guys that I teach, we were studying conditional clauses. If you try to look at this for which conditional clause it is, it's not an if. It shouldn't be if. That's a partnership simple, and it should be, it should read, but having food and clothing. It's not if we have it, it's having, it's partnership. Just, just I'll throw that in. Uh, Hebrews 13.5, Let your character be free from the love of money, being content with what you have. For he himself has said, I will never desert you, nor will I ever forsake you. Now, if you parents were smart, what you would do is take these scriptures and you would blow them up on a piece of paper and put them on the icebox, refrigerator. The next time the kid says, but I want it. I'm not going to be happy till I get it. You know the, what they, everybody else has. They have their whole routine. Just say, come on, darling. Let's go to the refrigerator. That's what God says right here. Do you have food? Yes. Do you have clothing? Okay. <laughs> That's all they need. And the Word. They also need encouragement, but they also need, sometimes, uh, they need discipline. Here's the point. We don't need more to be thankful for. All of us, I bet you everybody here has more things than they know what to do with. I know I do. I have been spending so much time trying to organize my stuff, I'm sick of it. You ever get sick of your stuff? It just takes your time. Where are you going to store it? Well, the bugs will get to it. Well, the sun will melt it. Well, it might burn up here. You go out there and it's all ruined. We need to be more thankful. That's worth writing down. We don't need to be we don't need more to be thankful for. We need to be more thankful with regards to contentment. I think that's a good idea. Oh, you could put that on the refrigerator too. Okay. There's nothing wrong with being ambitious and working hard to better your condition, but if you're not happy during the journey to the top, you'll never be content when you get there. You need to tell your young people that. They need to see it in your life. Because sometimes what they think getting to the top can be a, a rough road, but if you're not enjoying the road, you're not going to enjoy the destination once you get there. Today they've sold everybody the bill of goods that in order to be really successful and really be happy, you've got to go to college, get a good job, make scads of money. And people buy into that idea. And boy, do I have a verse for you, for the, for you coming up. I've got to press on, though. Perfect happiness does not come from doing what you like to do, but from liking what you have to do. That one's worth writing down, too, by the way. Perfect happiness does not come from doing what you like to do, 
And a lot of you may be in jobs, you may be doing things that you really, you don't like to do it, but you have to because you've got accustomed to eating, so you have to, you have to do things you're not particularly fond of. The perfect happiness comes from liking what you have to do. And a sense of gratitude always goes along with that. I don't care how hard you have it. It could be worse. Boy, do I have a nice joke to tell about that, but I can't do it now. Remind me sometime. It's bad, but it could be worse. Habakkuk 3, 17 and 18. Though the fig tree should not blossom and there be no fruit on the vines, though the yield of the olive should fail and the fields produce no food, Though the flock should be cut off from the fold, and there be no cattle in the stalls, yet will I exalt in the Lord, I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. That's the person who is sharing the happiness of God. Can you do that? The answer is yes, you can. But we have to go back to those verses about happy is the man who trusts in the Lord. Happy is the man that is eager to take in doctrine and so forth. Romans chapter 5, verse 2 and 5. We exalt in hope of, our, of the glory of God. And not only this, but we also exalt in our tribulations. That's a mature believer speaking. Knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance. That word perseverance is hupomone in the Greek, and it means essentially patience. And perseverance or patience brings about proven character, and proven character, hope, that's confidence, and hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. God never disappoints. He never does anything that should disappoint you. Even when He allows adversity to come into your life, this verse says, what? You should exalt. You should celebrate because he's, he's putting you on the on the hot seat so he can show you off to others. That's what he was doing with Job. He wants, to, he wants to advance you spiritually. He wants to reward you. But most people just see that as a time to complain. James chapter 1, verse 9. But let the brother... This is what I was talking about a while ago. This is the verse. But let the brother of humble circumstances... Now, in the context, this is talking about somebody who is pope. A poor person. Somebody who just is barely getting by. But let the brother of humble circumstances, this would be a brother or sister person, believer, glory in his high position. Isn't that wonderful? Huh? I don't know where you are financially. A lot of people are, are struggling. But if you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you are intimately united to the Most High. You are in Christ. You are royalty. And you should exalt in your high position. I don't care if you're out there spreading manure. If you're out there digging ditches in the hot sun, it doesn't matter. And you're just, you're just trying to get enough money to buy your next bowl of beans so you can, you can get through one more day. You should exalt in your high position. And I would like to take that verse and just, there, all you people that think that success is going to college, getting some big degree and making a lot of money. That's the devil's scheme. The large scheme is even in humble circumstances, you should glory 
in your high position. In fact, <coughs> excuse me. The word glory there can be used, can be translated exalt, boast, or celebrate. And position here is uh, hupathos. H-U-P-S-O-S. That's, I guess that's hoopsos. That's got a C in it. And you, when you say it, you spit on people. C. It's a P-S sound. But it means high elevation, dignity. And this word high is kalkaamai. K-A-U-C-H-A-O-M-A-I. And this is a present active imperative. How about that, huh? When you're down, when you're low, when you're poor, God commands you to exalt, to celebrate in your high position because your position in Christ doesn't have a thing to do with your social status, how much money is in your bank account or even if you have a bank account. If you don't have a, a car and you're riding a bicycle, you are a royal family and you should be celebrating. You're commanded to celebrate and keep on celebrating your high position. Now, that's a person that knows what's going on. 1 Peter 4, 12 through 13. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you, which some among you uh, for your testing, that comes among you for your testing, as some strange thing were happening to you. But to the degree that you share the sufferings of Christ, what does it say? Keep on rejoicing so that also at the revelation of His glory you may rejoice with exaltation. This means you recognize that when you're suffering for Christ, when you're making a stand for doctrine, and it's painful, and you're suffering, it says, think about the when uh, Christ comes, that's the revelation of His glory, second advent, when you come with Him, you're going to be rejoicing in exaltation because you can be loaded down with rewards and crowns and decorations, opportunities and privileges forever is yours. Psalm 97:12. Be glad in the Lord, you righteous ones, and give thanks to His holy name. Psalm 104, 33 and 34. I will sing to the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praise to my God while I have my being. Let my meditations be pleasing to Him. As for me, I shall be glad in the Lord. That being glad in the Lord means uh, make a joyful noise, by the way, when it says, I will sing to the Lord. Some of what you do can't really, some of you can't be construed singing. But you don't have to sing. You don't even have to carry a tune. Make a joyful noise. That's all that the Lord cares about. Isaiah 61.10 I will rejoice greatly in the Lord my soul will exalt in my God for He has clothed me with the garments of salvation. You have eternal life. He has wrapped me with a robe of righteousness. You have God's own righteousness. Philippians 4, 4-7 Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your forbearing spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, comprehension, shall guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And just turn to that and just circle that, that part, will you? Go ahead and do it. 
That's too good a verse just to read and, and go on. How many verses now have we had that says rejoice in the Lord always? Just keep doing it. That's Philippians 4, 4 through 7. And just take your pen, make a big circle or brackets or something around the whole thing. While you're doing that, I'm going to be reading to you James 1, 2 through 4. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance and let endurance have its perfect result, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. That's what God wants us to be. So what is God's plan for you following your personal faith in Christ after you've believed in Christ? Then what? It's to realize the peace, contentment, and happiness that glorifies God from learning Bible doctrine and advancing to spiritual maturity. That's the gist of it. He tells us this in James 15:11. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. That's what Christ wanted for us. His joy, not the world's joy. That, you're, that his joy may be in you, that's in your soul, in your heart, in your cardia, the dominant portion of your soul, and that your joy, your happiness may be made full. One other thing I need to give you before we end all this is that there are degrees of happiness. You see them up here? Tranquility, contentment, pleasure, Excitement and ecstatic. Sometimes you're just tranquil. Sometimes you just feel really contented. Sometimes you're really enjoying yourself. It's pleasurable. Sometimes you're even excited. It can even get to the point to ecstatic. But you're not any of these all the time. And I don't want you to think that this penthouse, this happiness, doesn't occur till you get to the tenth floor. Remember, there's nine floors below it? And as you matriculate up these floors, what happens is your capacity for happiness grows and so you're going to experiencing you're going to be experiencing happiness all the way up but it's going to, you're going to have more and more capacity and you're going to be more and more happy more uh, even longer than you uh, normally would be and it's going to be a more profound happiness by the time you get to the tenth floor this is the penthouse this is where God wants us to be this is the abundant life and so sometimes even when you're in you're, you've reached the top you're spiritually mature believer, you're spiritually self-sustaining, and sometimes you're just tranquil. Sometimes you're just contented. You're not giddy all the time. I worked with a guy one time that was in the ecstatic phase all the time, and I wanted to kill him. <laughs> he was a believer, and he was just, oh, you know, he, he was just, he's like the Energizer Bunny. He was just all, all over, and it just wears you on you after a while. I, I just, hey, just give me a break. Go sing in the corner somewhere. Do whatever. Just, And he's going, it, I know that it has to wear out. We're not designed to be in, in ecstatics all the time. I want to bring that point out. Let's see what else. Uh, your persistent spiritual growth from Bible doctrine resident in your soul gives you the following. Now, I'm just going to read these real quick, and I'm going to be done with it because I'm going to get through with the 
fundamentals today. We're on the tenth floor. You're there. And I had to decide what I'm going to do the next week. I got a couple ideas. I thought about maybe just going over the first and just rapid fire go through what uh, a review, but I might not do that either. So you have to come see what it's going to be. Anyway, this is what knowing, uh, spiritual growth from Bible doctrine, resonance soul gives you. Total appreciation for grace. You recognize it doesn't depend on you, it depends on God. Ability to be content with what you have. We've already gone over these verses. Ability to change, which is Psalm 116, verse 6 through 7 says, For he will never be shaken. The righteous will be remembered forever. He will not fear evil tidings. His heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. Now, what I want you to do is go to the front page of your Bible and see if there's any blank pages there. I'm sure there is. And in that blank pages somewhere... I want you to write Psalm one six. Oh, excuse me, Psalm one twelve, verse seven. He will not fear evil tidings. A lot of people can never be happy. It doesn't matter how much they have, because they're in dread that it won't last. Well, yeah, I'm happy now, but what's going to happen tomorrow? Yeah, I've got a big bank account now, but what if I lose it? Yeah, I have a girlfriend now, but what if she dare johns me? I mean, whatever it is, people can't enjoy today and the prosperity and the blessings that God give them, that God gives them because they're worried about tomorrow. They have dread. This verse is the antidote. This is talking about the mature believer, one who has reached the tenth floor. He will not fear evil tidings. His heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. He's not depending on his circumstances. It doesn't matter what happens. He is steadfast. He is sure-footed. He is not going to be caught in instability because he's not going to have any dread. What else does the mature believer have? He has the ability to handle disaster. Look at this. This is 2 Corinthians 12.10. Therefore, I am well content with weakness, with insults, with distresses, with persecution, with difficulties, for Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then I am strong. Are these great? What are we talking about? We're talking about people who are not enslaved to their circumstances and they don't give a hoot what comes tomorrow because they are stable. They're not dreading what might happen. They're just trusting the Lord. It also gives you a sense of purpose. That's the PSED, personal sense of eternal destiny. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18 where there is no vision that would be personal sense of eternal destiny, the people are unrestrained. But happy is he who keeps the law. That would be applies doctrine. And I'm telling you what, what I've been describing to you is people today don't have vision, they don't have a personal sense of destiny, and they are afraid, and they are discouraged, and they are disgruntled, and they are angry. And they are insecure. Security from knowing the plan of God for your life, uh, for capacity. Security from knowing the plan of God for your life gives you capacity for life, love, and happiness.
I've got the last PowerPoint right here on the fundamentals. Are you ready for it? And I'm going to close with this PowerPoint. There's a penthouse suite with your name on it. Don't let it go vacant. Let's all close our eyes now. The reason I ask you to close your eyes is because there may be someone here who really can't fathom the happiness that God has offered because they still have that looming fear of death and where they will spend it. The best news that you will ever hear is that Jesus Christ went to the cross, died on that cross for your sins. He was buried. He rose again. And now He offers eternal life to anyone who will trust Him and Him alone for it. It's all about grace. The moment that you believe in Jesus Christ, you receive the free gift of salvation. Eternal life is yours. God's own righteousness is yours. You're a royal family member now. Now you have the opportunity and the ability to understand the spiritual phenomenon that is so important in the Bible. And then it's time to get cracking and learning and growing. All you have to do is believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved in a moment of time. He took care of your sin problem. The issue is just, am I going to accept it or reject it? You can accept it mentally in your own mind by saying, this is the time that I'm going to trust Christ. I'm not going to depend on my own works anymore. It's all about who and what He is. Now, Father, we're so thankful that we've had the time to go through this whole series, the fundamentals. Now, we pray that You will motivate us to continue to learn and grow and watch You do mighty things in our lives because of who and what You are and because of Your grace. And we lift our prayer in the name that is above all names, even Jesus Christ, our Lord and only Savior. Amen.